Well, welcome to the Values Driven Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Mankin, and the purpose of this podcast is to help you make meaningful progress on things that matter. In today's episode, a conversation with the founder of You Need a Budget, YNAB, Jesse Meekum, about the power of a budget and about how a budget can help you clarify and define what you really value in your life. Well, I could not give a stronger endorsement for YNAB. YNAB is short for You Need a Budget, and it is an incredible budgeting software. As you will hear in this conversation, my wife and I started on the envelope system where we were just using cash, essentially, uh, in different categories in a coupon book to pay for gas and groceries and some of our allowance that we that we've decided on together um and it was a really great way to simply see how we were spending our money and to have a physical barrier that once that cash was gone it was gone and then a friend told us about a way to digitize this system and to make it even better and that was YNAB and now for years we have used this successfully in our marriage to manage money to eliminate any potential money conflict through just monthly meetings where we talk about our budget and to allocate resources in ways that are meaningful to us. And at the head of all of this is Jesse Meekum, the founder of YNAB, and he is passionate about teaching individuals and families and business owners four rules, which we'll talk about in this conversation for thinking about their money in a whole new way. He started YNAB YNAB as a broke and newly married college student. And it started as just a spreadsheet that he sold to help make ends meet. And then over time has grown into an incredibly um, just amazing piece of software. It's web-based and it is uh, really powerful. So I would even say it is one of the most uh, important personal finance softwares out there. Wow. And I am not paid to say any of this. I reached out to Jesse uh, for this conversation with no uh, tie-in to an endorsement or advertisement from YNAB. This is something that I'm passionate about, that I love, and think can really help you to clarify your values and achieve your goals. When Jesse's not teaching people how to budget, he loves gardening, he loves CrossFit, he loves markmanship and travel, him and his family, uh, his wife and six kids. They just took an extended trip to New York City that we get into in this conversation. So if you um, are looking to better manage your money, this is going to be a powerful conversation for you. Money has a... um, an allure for all of us that can be a temptation and all of us can be better stewards of the resources that have been entrusted to our care so that we can allocate them better in our lives to strategically go after the things that God has asked us to do with his stuff. So without further ado, here is the conversation with Jesse Meekum, the founder of YNAB. Well, Jesse, thanks so much for for being on the podcast. I'm grateful for your time and glad to have you on the show. I have heard you talk about 
um, your motivation for starting YNAB was essentially to, to cover a gap you had in your budget at first, but now, now YNAB has hundreds of thousands, if not millions, I don't know how many users you have right now, but it's scaled significantly. And so I'm wondering about your motivation for why you get up and run YNAB every day and how that compares to what it was like when you were getting started. Yeah, it was definitely was motivation originally was purely uh, to make at the time it was 350 bucks. That was our shortfall. So if we could make 350 bucks each month, that meant we could make it through school without borrowing money and, and I could go on my way and become a CPA and, and live the dream, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it worked out better than, than my original goal. And, um, now what, what gets me up is, um, it, you know, it's morphed a little bit, but it, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy teaching it. Uh, I enjoy uh, working with the team we have. That's actually really motivating is just seeing the team really thrive and grow and, and uh, deliver a lot of, I don't know, a lot of value to people. So I feel like YNAB does does a good bit of, of good, you know. And um, so it's not the most exciting thing every single day, day in and day out. But I'll be honest, for the most part, when I get up and get started, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty anxious to dive in on whatever I'm working in. And uh, that's, you know, that's quite a, quite a spot to be in. I think it's pretty lucky in that way to enjoy, enjoy my work the vast majority of the time. Yeah. And your, your, your beginning deficit in your personal budget, I, I would assume that with the success of YNAB has come greater financial success, even for your family. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess a question that stems from that is just your own relationship with money. I mean, how has that changed when you went from more of a legitimate scarcity to, uh, to having maybe more of an abundance than you've, you've right. before. Right. Yeah. You know, we still try and manufacture the scarcity. I think that's key. Um, if you're budgeting well, it means you're kind of creating that all the time where you're having to always make trade-offs. So, um, that's, that's important as, as the income has grown, um, we've still, we still feel like, oh, there's not enough here to do this, this month. We'll have to wait. And, you know, could we shift things around a lot? Could we be a little more from the hip? Probably. But, uh, I don't, I feel like that would be, that would start to give me a little bit of anxiety, you know, but if I know our money is lining up with what we really care about and is, is doing that, then regardless of how many zeros are tacked onto the end, there's some peace there, you know, and, that's the key is making sure that as your income grows, your lifestyle can grow. And I, I think that's okay. Um, but you want to make sure that no matter what the income, you're always staying true to what you really want your money to be doing. And you, you have to ask yourself that question regularly. And the budgeting exercise helps Julie and me to do that on a consistent basis. Yeah. I wonder even like if you can give a contrast, if we were to open up your spreadsheet that was YNAB when you were in the hole on a monthly basis oh, yeah. and what, what was important to you then? And then if we were to open up your YNAB account right now and look at your budget, like what are some of the things that have been unchanging throughout that process? And maybe as a teaching moment to people who are saying, I'm I'm in yeah. debt. I, I'm at a deficit and I want my money to do things that I care about, but it just feels like I can't afford that right now. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. When we first started, um, 
we, I mean, our, our grocery budget now is this really cushy We're we have, you know, six kids. Some of them are, are getting larger and larger fairly quick. So they're eating more and more. And we, our grocery budget, I think is like $1,500 a month. And that's, if we were to try to get it down, we could. That's a very squishy number, but it allows Julie, who's she runs the food show in the house. She, um, it allows her to just go and buy what she wants to buy. She doesn't, for her success in grocery shopping, means she gets in and out quickly, and can move on to other things. So we could cut that if we wanted to, but we really don't want to. And you contrast that with when she and I were first married; it was the two of us, and we we spend 150. So we were literally a tenth of what we are now. Uh, and it's not just because of the kids. We, we eat, uh, food that's more expensive, you know, or we, we eat more, uh, a lot more fresh food and things like that. So that's one thing that's changed Just one. That's a small example. Uh, one that hasn't changed because I think that's also a really interesting question is our savings. We've always, always saved. Um, we've, we've just, always wanted to be living on less than we made. And when we were really, things were really tight and I needed to get by with that extra $350 a month, that was the only reason that was even an option was because we had been saving money up to that point, um, to try and make sure Julie could stay home, you know, once we had a baby and had we not been living within our means back then, it wouldn't have even been a consideration. So the one constant that we've had uh, is that we've always lived well within what we were earning. And I think people can take that and they can do, I mean, that, that is the key, whether you're making $40,000 a year or $400,000 a year, you've got to be living on less. And, and you can say, well, it's easier for the person making a large income to do that. I agree. It absolutely is easier, but it doesn't change the principle. You still have to learn to live on less than whatever it is you're making. Hmm. And just for people who are completely unfamiliar with YNAB, they, they are listening to this for, for the first time and have no clue what we're even talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can just give a brief overview of what YNAB is and, and how, it, how it really does force people to define their priorities and ultimately kind of what they want to fund when it comes to their value system. Yeah, absolutely. It, the YNAB is, um, it's a methodology. It's a way of thinking about your money. We have four rules. Uh, the first rule is to give every dollar a job, meaning that's your priorities. That's where your values come in. And you say, what do I really, truly value? Make sure your money is, is doing those things. The second rule we say is to embrace your true expenses, meaning you have to look ahead for larger, less frequent expenses and consider those, break them up into monthly amounts so that when you are doing this assessment of what, you know, what can can I buy? How can I, or, you know, where, where should the money be going? You're also considering longer term expenses like a vacation that's coming up or maybe the, you know, holiday spending that spikes in December, things like that. Uh, the third rule is to change your budget whenever you need to, we call it rolling with the punches. And it just means to be flexible and let, you know, just let, as, as things happen, just adjust. And finally, the fourth rule is to age your money. And that's the idea is that we want you to be Money that you earned, let's say today, you won't spend for at least 30 days. And people just can kind of slowly work toward that idea where they're spending money that they earned at least 30 days ago. 
and it gets you away from the financial edge. It decreases stress tremendously and uh, really helps people break out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle. So those four rules are, are the essence of YNAB. And you don't need to know anything else beyond that to get started. You can, you can build a spreadsheet to enforce those rules. You can use pencil and paper. The way we make money uh, you know, for the business is that we sell software that's built around those four rules. And uh, that, that seems to keep the lights on for us. And the software is amazing. I mean, I'm not being paid to say this. I'm not being paid to have you onto the show. I believe in YNAB. I love it. My family has used it for a long time and has gained far more value from it than it has cost us to to pay for it. And so, yeah, I think I can just give a strong recommendation to anyone listening to at least give YNAB a try. Even if you feel like you want to just try it with pencil and paper, just, just do a trial and just try these rules out in the context of why not? Because it's awesome. Yeah. So, um, my, my family, my friends, we talk a lot about, uh, just the, the feeling we get when we, uh, think about money. I actually have a group that meets quarterly called the quarterly oh. stewardship forum, where we, oh, very cool. it's a small group of friends that we just get together and talk about money issues. And one of the times that we, got together, we talked about our money stories and we just reflected on how money was shown to us when we were children, how it, how it, you know, was, uh, talked about used in our families in the way that that created a default for, for the way that as we became adults, how we started managing money. And so many people come to the conversation about money with all kinds of feelings and sentiments and histories. And I, And so even someone who's listening to this conversation, money can evoke all kinds of different emotions and reactions. And so I'm I'm thinking about specifically somebody right now who's listening and they maybe came from a history of people who just lived with debt being okay. um, Mm -hmm. And they are maybe living in debt themselves and feel really hopeless. Like money is not something that's exciting to them. It feels depressing, anxiety inducing. The numbers are never adding up and the the budget just isn't working. So what does someone like that need to know to get started with YNAB and to start thinking about even the rules that you just laid out for us? What does it look like for them? One one thing that's uh, good to remember in that situation is almost everyone that now, uh, says they have things under control, you know, whether they're using wine or not, they just feel like, Oh, I'm, you know, I was in a bad spot and now I'm in a good spot. Almost every single one of those people will have had that experience that, that those feelings, those emotions of hopelessness of just like, you know, this isn't working. Maybe they try and fail multiple times. And so if you're having those feelings of hopelessness, that is, that is part of the experience, you know, and that is a very, very common experience. The, what we don't, we don't want hopelessness that then, um, just causes inaction. What we want is to just derive a little bit of action out of that, but we want it to be small and doable, something where you can get some quick wins. And there's one, I guess one thing I would share that's like really brass tacks, but it may help. Um, when, when we are coaching people through like in workshops or whatever, um, and they'll have, 
$80 in their checking account. And it's not that they don't make money, but they're just not managing it well. And they've got this $80 and we say, okay, part of budgeting is you only budget money you have on hand. You don't forecast. You don't look ahead and say, well, I will earn this money. So let's plan with that. You only plan with money actually on hand, whether it's $80, $8, $8,000, doesn't matter. When someone with the $80 sits down uh, and we say, okay, what does this $80, let's just don't think about anything else. I don't care about how much debt you have. I don't care about the bills that are due. I don't care about all your issues. I don't care about how your spouse isn't on board with this. Just what does this 80 bucks need to do before new money is going to come in? And they may say, well, there is one bill. It's actually late. And I think that's where it needs to go. And then you say, okay, great. How much is the bill? They say $60. Okay, we're going to take the 60 of the 80 that's going to go toward the bill. We're going to write it down, $60 out of the 80, 20 left. What should these $20 do before you're paid again? And then they think for just a moment, because it's only 20 bucks, it's usually easy to find a solution and say, well, I, my gas has almost no, you know, my car has almost no gas and I need to add some gas into the car else I can't get to work. And you say, okay, great. So the rest of the 20, or do you, can you only do 10? How would it work? Well, I guess I could do 10. Okay, well, let's do 10 in there. What about the last 10? And it seems, it seems like we're really being granular and and we are that is exactly what we want to do we want to dive in deep to just the $80 and have someone be extremely purposeful about what they have on hand and what it needs to do and the point of doing this whole explanation is for the person to then have the feeling at the end which is this is a 5 minute exercise maybe where they just say oh I actually feel pretty good they still have the same bills they still have the same debt but they have this clarity around what their money is supposed to do. You have to start with that clarity. I don't care how much debt you have or how you need to make more money or whatever it may be. You've got to get to the clarity. And that exercise there will do it. And then when more money comes in, you do the same exercise again. Okay, now we've earned some money. Maybe we have 600, 1,000, whatever. What does that money need to do? And we just keep making that those priorities be flushed out. And it is amazing the difference people feel emotionally because they've suddenly taken charge and they've turned that hopelessness, they've, they've just turned it on its head and they've taken action. That, that exercise is, is the game changer. I've seen so many people get an attitude shift just from that. And it didn't involve earning more money or having any, you know, debts magically disappear or anything of the sort. So it's a, kind of a long answer, but that, that idea, I've just absolutely grown to really love it. No, I think that's really helpful. And I also think about the flip side where, somebody's listening who's maybe never had a budget and is making a ton of money and doesn't ever feel like they're overspending. Maybe they're not even in debt. And so I wonder if somebody is feeling financially successful, comes to the conversation with money with a lot of optimism, but has never had a budget. Do you, do you think someone like that still needs to, to have a budget to be a part absolutely. of absolutely? Yeah, absolutely. It's really, they've probably, if they're financially successful, let's say, I mean, if they don't have any debt, you can have high earners that are not financially successful. We, we know that. So um, a lot of top athletes that earn lots of money have never learned how to manage that money. And you, unfortunately, you see really sad stories come out of that ecosystem. Um, what we, but let's say this person says, no, I don't even have any debt. I don't even carry credit card debt. Like I, I was told when I was young, that was bad. And so I avoided it completely. And I also just keep saving money because I told that was good. So I'm doing that now too. And at the end of the day, that person has this, this budget in mind. They just aren't really specific with it. And, um, they've earned enough to where they can be pretty, pretty loose 
uh, all things considered. And I think that's a great, I mean, that, that's a fantastic starting point. Most of the time when you have high income uh, earners, they, they really still are suffering from the same issue where their money, they, they're just feeling like their money isn't really doing everything it could be doing. So it's not that they're stressed about a lack of money. They're actually, this seems counterintuitive, but their surplus is actually stressing them out. And they want to make sure that, like the name of your uh, quarterly meeting, what was it? The, the quarterly steward, stewardship steward. forum. That's it. Yeah, yeah, stewardship. You know, that implies that you are in charge of something, that it's your responsibility, right? It's not the quarterly let's blow money forum, you know? So so when there is money to, to be found, when you've got this system where they're saying, hey, I have excess, even then it can be stressful if you don't feel like you're being a good steward, if you don't feel like you are taking advantage of, of what you can call blessings, opportunities, whatever. But when you're not taking advantage of that, it can still cause stress. So I would do the same exercise I would with the person barely scraping by. I would say, well, how much money do you have in your checking account right now? And they'd say, uh, yeah, we like to sit with, I don't know, it ends up being around 25 grand. And you say, oh, okay, well, let, you know, what should this money do before your pity? And they're like, well, we don't, you know, and then you start, well, do you have a mortgage? No, we paid off our house. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you just keep going along with that person. Well, what, what would you like the money to do? You know, and then things will start to come out. Well, we would, you know, it would be, it'd be fun if we could do this trip or whatever, or it'd be fun if we could give here. And a lot of the times these people that are really good at saving money, they'll actually still feel guilty when they spend it, even though they shouldn't. So sometimes you can get a win there where the person is, um, more intentional about what their money is doing. And when they do finally use it, it, it feels good. They don't feel guilty about it. So there can be a win emotionally in that way. Yeah. And I think even in my own marriage, the, the act of having to define where money is going is an amazing way to stay on the same page, to just say, what is it that we really, really care about in our, in our family and doing that at a personal level or with a partner is a great practice of just being forced to define, even if you feel like you don't need a budget, the very act of tracking it and investing in specific categories, which are ultimately just the things that you value, exactly. is so, so helpful for uh, defining what it is that you really care about in, in your life. Yeah. And I think about uh, our first year of marriage, we we had... Uh, we, we were on the envelope system where we had coupon books that we stashed uh, different, different amounts of cash into each of those slots in the coupon books and would go in and pay cash for gas and cash for groceries. Yeah. And then a friend told us about YNAB and just said, Hey, this is a, a digital version of what you're doing. And so we, we converted <laughs> and, uh, have, have loved it ever since, but but has been a, a huge uh, help in, in um, allowing us to stay unified in our marriage yeah. and having those monthly meetings and being able to stay on the same page with money. And, um, and so even beyond just the individual, how do you see YNAB being something that really empowers marriages or people in relationships who are sharing money? How, how do you see YNAB helping them? Yeah, it, the, the monthly meetings are the key that you mentioned. That that right there, it, you just having to sit down and say, what should our money do? A lot of the money does the same thing it did the last month. You know, we've got different bills we're going to pay, and uh, you know, different subscriptions and different. Uh, you know, we're going to buy groceries still and pay utilities. All that's the same. It's not really those fixed things aren't terribly interesting. 
Um, I do like once a year to have this kind of question everything meeting because I think it's really healthy for couples to do where you're like, well, what if we didn't have this mortgage? And then it's like, well, what? You can't say that, you know? So what if we didn't own cars? And you just, you just, everything's on the table. You know, what if we sold it all and lived in a, you know, fill in the blank. Has, so, your, has your question every, everything meeting ever resulted in you doing something that everyone else would think is crazy? When we went to our, when we did our New York trip, that was a re, not a, well, no, I, it was, it definitely got major steam in our question, everything meeting that we did. Um, it was actually two years before we actually, we took the trip, but, uh, it was January of, uh, would have been January of 16. And I had just been there recently for business and I just thought it was an awesome place. And I thought my kids needed to see it. And we were kind of doing this question, everything deal. Uh, we do it normally in January. And, um, yeah, I thought, well, what if we like live somewhere else for a while? It really wasn't even money related, but we were just kind of thinking big, talking big, kind of being slightly crazy. And so, yeah, we, we, uh, ended up saying, yeah, we should do that. And we started saving money for it and we saved up for, um, ju- yeah, just about two years for it. And then made, you know, did the little trip out there and it was awesome. So we're actually in the middle of trying to think of what the next thing like it would be because we, we liked it so much. So, um, I'm getting off track with that, but the, uh, that idea of just monthly kind of touching base, you have two people normally that are earning money that are spending most of their waking hours working on earning money. And so you're, you're, you're spending all this time gathering this resource into your system, you know, that you're sharing with your spouse normally. And so you've got this situation where you're devoting so much time to it and then mental energy when you're not working and to not have to sit there and say, okay, you and I collectively, we've spent hours and hours, large chunks of our life gathering together this resource and then to never sit down and discuss how you want to use the resource you're devoting most of your life to attaining seems crazy to me. So I'm just asking people not to be crazy about just, just, you you know, this resource, it's precious, you know, like let's treat it that way. I'm not saying that money is super special, but the amount of effort you put into acquiring it, is there anything else more special? You know, I don't think so. And so at that, in that or I should say from that point of view, my word, you know, talk about it a little bit. So like what is that so much time? What does that meeting look like between you and Julie regularly? Uh, for, for me and Julie, it's pretty fast at this point, except for the annual one we do. But, um, I do all of the work in YNAB. Uh, she enters stuff on her phone most of the time. She's getting better and better at it. Um, and so I'll clean up YNAB and kind of make sure it's all up to date with the bank. And I'll even go back to the budget and move funds around a little bit if we have overspending in places. And our budget's loose enough. You know, if you move one thing to another, it's not too big of a deal. I won't move from our non-negotiables, but other things that are a little, little more, uh, you know, I don't know, up to interpretation. So once I've got things kind of set up, I'll usually call Julie over and say, hey, I've budgeted already for this month. Like I've gone through and pre-filled everything that's pretty boring. I want you to weigh in on this stuff. And it's usually about uh, trip. Uh, it's about clothing because I don't remember anything the kids ever need for clothing. And she does. Um, food stays the same. Furniture, we're, we, we're the slowest, um, you know, furnishers of, of our home ever. So there's always something like, oh, we want to, you know, eventually hang stuff on the walls. And we've been in our home for two years, things like that. So she's she cares about that one. And then I usually am trying to look for, um, you know, some funding around 
like anything outdoors or um, in in like our garage, like another tool or something that I might want. I try and angle those things in sometimes too. So it's a pretty boring meeting for the most part. We've been doing it for so long. But boring um, is good. Just continuing good. the habit yeah. and keeping it up is just so yeah. important. And it, it's interesting because when you when you started WineAb and you were at a deficit, it, and and for so many people who are feeling like they're just not able to make ends meet, their their budget is funding the things that are necessary for survival. It's hard to really level up and start thinking thinking about some of the experiences or trips or some of these other things you can do, like going to New York with your family, like that over time, when you, when you take on that discipline of doing the right things for long enough and eliminating the debt, it, it offers you an ability to start thinking more holistically about other things you want to do. And I, I read an interview you did with Mr. Money Mustache, where you just talked about something that you think is really important, even for your family is to create learning opportunities, which that New York trip is a great example of that. Um, how would you how would you advise families who are agree? Yeah, I want to create learning opportunities for my family. Like, how how do I do that? Maybe when I don't have um, enough money to do a trip like that, and then when I do have enough money to do a trip like that, how do I think about doing that right. for my kids? The learning stuff. I mean, that's free. You know, it really. It you don't have to go somewhere extravagant. You know, you can do so much right locally. You can. I mean, Julie and I are planning a little trip for ourselves in a few weeks that we, you know, we're calling it a staycation, and we'll be like forty minutes from our house. You know, really, it's just a break from the kids. That's what it is. And so we could probably just sit there and stare at each other. It'd be it'd be nice. But we'll do a few things. But we're even with just the two of us, not with the kids. I've been looking at. Um, what could we do? Um, you know, you could eat out and that's fine, but, um, I want to learn stuff, you know? So, um, we, I want to maybe look into like doing a scuba lesson cause Julie's mortified of scuba diving and I've never done it either. So I thought, okay, what if we were in a pool though, where you can stand up at any time, you know, and, and learn in this really safe controlled way. So, um, there's, you know, that's on the table. I looked into like a pottery class for us. Could we do something where we could learn a little bit there? We, we learned how to turn pens a couple of weeks ago for a date, uh, where, you know, they give you some wood and they show you how to use the lathe and they basically do a ton of it for you. And you just spin the lathe and follow along. And it was super fun at the end. You had a pen, you know? And, uh, so that's, that does, it just doesn't cost a lot of money to say, I want to learn something. You can build something together. You can, uh, you know, do projects with your kids. You can just fire up YouTube and say, we're going to learn how to make a potato gun. And have you, have you done that with your kids? Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, cause I mean, nothing is more, well, I mean, I'm in scouting with a bunch of like 12 and 13 year olds. So my, my job is essentially to expose these boys to, new stuff and make it hard. So we'll, we do things that make them uncomfortable. We push them physically. Um, we make, you know, like sleeping outdoors when it's, you know, 14 degrees is uncomfortable. And you, you teach them how to do well in that, how to make things, you know, how to make your life a little easier, how to not get wet. It's very basic when you're an adult, but when you're 12, you know, and you've been camping for five minutes and you're already soaked. It's like, well, you're going to have, you know, there'll be consequences for that when the temperature plummets. So that kind of thing, you just expose, it's just about exposure and learning by doing. And I, I don't think you need money to do a lot of that stuff. It, I mean, DIY is, 
alive and well as long as you've got an internet connection, you know, and, um, and maybe access to a little bit of stuff from Home Depot or whatever. So I, it's, and this is my bias coming out. I, the, the day that I die will be the day that I realize, you know, I can't learn anything else, then I'm done. But if I can keep learning and have my kids keep learning and just keep experiencing things, that to me is, is a life well lived. So, um, that's the way we kind of lean with, with how we do our budgeting and others may lean a totally different direction. That's totally fine. But for me, for, for you know, for Jesse Meekum, that's what we've kind of discovered. Uh, I don't know, keeps us going. Yeah. And so. I appreciate too, how even through your own podcast, through everything that YNAB creates, that there's always a bias towards showing that ultimately this isn't about the money, <laughs> that ultimately yeah. this is about enabling something else, like learning with your family and whatever budget, uh, appropriate way that looks. It's about yeah, going deeper than just assigning those dollars a job because those jobs are ultimately after some purpose that we all have with money that goes beyond just accumulating it or spending it. Exactly. Um, yeah. So apart from YNAB, what is something useful that you've bought or used recently that you'd like to recommend to an audience? Ooh, um, this sounds, this sounds strange, but, uh, I started carrying around a pocket knife with me, uh, like maybe six months ago. What kind of pocket knife is it? It's, uh, I got it on Amazon. It's a Swiss, I think it's a Swiss army. I don't know the brand, you know, um, it has a little cross on it and a little shield, a little cross on the shield. I'm holding it right now. And, um, I sharpened it, uh, a little bit ago. And now that it's really sharp, it, I just, I find myself constantly using it and that's been a just great little tool, you know? So, um, someone was surprised when they, they found out I actually carried a knife with me, like on my person at all times, but it's like keys, you know, you just, you just drop it in your pocket and I just find I use it daily. So that one's been nice. The other one that has surprised me is I recently purchased, um, I don't mean for these to be cheap. There's I'm like, I, I bought a table saw that also has been really useful, but, um, the, I bought this Casio watch like my dad used to wear. And, um, I got it on Amazon too for 12 bucks and it, the band's kind of cheap. I don't, I don't know if the band will last, but it's not my Apple watch. And so it's allowed me to have a watch, but I just, which I discovered I liked once I bought an Apple watch, I realized I liked having the time on my wrist. I didn't have to pull out my phone, but then the watch brings in all these connections and buzzes and things that were annoying. So then I thought, Oh wait, maybe I just like the watch. So I bought the watch and now it's on my wrist and it, I don't have to recharge it. And, uh, it tells me the time. You so know? have you so, abandoned the Apple watch for good or, uh, I pro- probably, yeah, I'm not really seeing a massive appeal uh, from it. I will wear it sometimes if I'm working out, um, because I like the timer on it. That's a little more, a little easier to use, but even then half the time I forget it and I just use, you know, use my watch that's on my wrist and it's super light. It's lighter than the Apple watch. Um, yeah, it's, it's cheaper than it used to be, which was sad when I first got it. I was like, Oh man, this is like my dad's watch. And I unpacked it and then I, I grabbed it and you can feel immediately, immediately you're like, Oh, this is not the same as it was 25 years ago, you know? Um, so we'll see how it lasts, but man, so far it's super light and, uh, yeah, it tells me the time and dirt cheap. I mean, gosh, you could go through one a year. It'd take you 10 years to not probably 20 years to catch up to what you pay for an Apple watch. So anyway, it's, um, those two have been really nice and they're kind of just daily use things that, that I've, 
really enjoyed recently. What, what so. role does does exercise play in your I've read and seen other places where you love to work out and I'd love to yeah. know just what your daily regimen looks like. Um, yeah, it's pretty, well, it's pretty regimented. I do some strength training, uh, at a gym. I go across the gym. I go to, I have kind of my own little strength training bit. So usually just three sets of five. I try and keep it, keep it heavy, really heavy, um, to where it's hard, you know, where it, it scares you a little bit to get under the bar and squat or like you get a little nervous beforehand. I think that's good. And, uh, I should say qualified only with the fact that I have really good coaching and I know so how to don't, move really well. You, what you're not that. saying is everyone should go pick up something as heavy as they can and try and lift it without any sort yeah, of guidance. You should get some guidance, but get it from someone really good. If I could plug um, a service I used for a, a year called Starting Strength Online Coaching, where I had a, a coach for um, yeah, about a year. Her name was Isness and she would critique my video. I would record my final set of each exercise and she would critique it. I learned a ton that way. Um, that was, that's been awesome. So yeah, good movement, but I love the strength training. I like CrossFit cause you're with people that also like to work out fairly in, you know, intensively. Um, you got to listen to your body. Don't go crazy. Um, you know, recognize that you aren't trying to set a record every time you go into the gym. And then just recently I started playing pickleball, which sounds like it's for 65 year olds. And most, oh, but it's so addicting. I love oh, pickleball. Yeah. And, and I'm like way into it. Like we just played this morning and I've found three other guys that are pretty regular with me. And so if you how can did play, you find you know, these guys, like, is there some pickleball <laughs> group on Facebook? Or something? They're just in my neighborhood. And I was like, guys, I found this game. You want to try it? So they were like, well, okay. And then we all liked it. And now they're actually maybe more into it than I am. And, um, anyway, it's super fun. It's like ping pong, but you're standing on the standing on the table, you know? So I'm just, I'm liking that for the, I don't know, just changing it up a little bit, moving around, learning something new. So, um, but strength training has been kind of the mainstay for me for years and it's just so healthy. And if, if there are any women listening, you don't change anything about programming. You know, you don't listen to anyone that says, Oh, for women, it's this way or for women, it's that way. It's not, it's the exact same as what a man would do. It really, really annoys me when people try and treat women differently as if they have like a different physiological response. They don't, it's the exact same, except women are usually better at pushing through hard sets because they have a higher pain tolerance. So, um, anyway, don't listen to anyone that says women are different in that regard. They're not, they maybe lift less weight, but they can lift just as much relatively and do really, really well and really see fantastic results from it. So anyway, that's totally a soapbox issue for me, but there it is. Well, apart from, apart from working out, what is, what is one habit or a different habit that you've put in place to, to make progress on something that, that you really care about? Yeah, I, um, that's a good question. I'm an early riser and, uh, how early, what does that mean? Um, it used to be really early. Now it's like five 30. Um, and I have made a rule for myself. I work almost first thing in the morning. So, um, I read a book by Cal Newport that I highly recommend everyone read. It's called deep work. So good. Such a good book. And, uh, all, all the people that work at YNAB, when you first come on, you're required to read it. We're all rereading it again, discussing it. It's just so good. So anyway, um, I follow the kind of the deep work philosophy. I want to get something deep done first thing in the morning. So I get up, I have my, right now I'm working on writing. So I have my computer, everything shut down. And the only thing that's 
on when I start up my computer is my, my Google doc where I'm writing, you know, this chapter. And so when I wake up, I get up, I'm, I'm awake at this point, I open up my laptop and there it is. And I don't, I don't start up anything else. I don't check Slack. I don't check email. I don't, you know, heaven forbid I go on Facebook or something. So it's just right there. And then I just go. And I know that I need to go from about six to seven. And then, you know, morning routine starts with the kids and school and all that. So if I can go six to seven and just be kind of working deeply, writing, thinking, uh, editing, it feels like if I can check that one box for the day, the day feels good. There's a lot of other stuff to do, but if I can get some good writing in for an hour, uh, I just, man, it feels so good. So I would, the habit really, if to put a fine point on it is to begin your day with, with something deep and meaningful that you do where if nothing else were done that day, you'd still feel like, Oh, that was, a, that was a pretty good day. That's been, that's a fairly new habit for me. Um, instead of working on like whirlwind kinds of things, I'm working on something deep first thing in the morning. I've been doing it for a couple months and I'm, I'm loving it. So, and that recommendation on the book stands, it's such a good book. So So. good. That's great. Well, last question for you. And it's just around how people can get started with YNAB. And then we didn't even talk about your book. So feel free to also share a little bit about that and how people can, can pick that up as well. Oh yeah. So the book's available just wherever, you know, wherever books are sold. Um, I'm not supposed to say any specific retailers, you know, you're supposed to be remain very unbiased. So anywhere books are sold, you can find the book called creatively. You need a budget as well. Um, but you don't need the book to get going. You can just jump to you need And I would recommend people just take one of our classes. We run them daily, uh, multiple times a day, about probably about 150 a week. So, if someone is saying oh, that doesn't fit my schedule, my the odds are we will fit your schedule. And you just take the workshop, the getting started one, and just watch one of our instructors um, walk through the software and the rules and how those kind of play in concert together. And you'll usually have a few light bulb moments going off. And then jump on and, and do a free trial. Um, you know, you can run it for 34 days and we do the extra day so you can kind of see how it works from one month to the next. And yeah, see if it doesn't uh, click with you, you know? So, um, as far as connecting with me, uh, you can email me. It's jesse at ynab.com, but I'm, I'm, uh, not really on any social media in that way. So email is still the best for me. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Values Driven Productivity Podcast. If you'd like to see any resources or links to things mentioned in the show, visit the episode page at valuesdrivenproductivity.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to the show almost anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a spare moment, please leave the show a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear your feedback and it's a great way to help other people find the show. Also, you can join the email list at valuesdrivenproductivity.com slash subscribe. When you sign up, you'll immediately get 100 questions that you can use to start meaningful conversations with people in your life. Well, that just about does it. Thanks for listening to the show. Until next time, make meaningful progress on things that matter. When all is lost and the world is losing too.